welcome to the eDiscovery Basecamp with Steve and Jack, where we cover all things eDiscovery and beyond. Tune in each week for a new episode featuring hot eDiscovery topics, amazing guests, and several other surprises. Let's adventure together. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Steve and Jack again from eDiscovery Basecamp. We are hunkered down here in the great city of Minneapolis. It's a beautiful day in the e-discovery world. The sun is shining, the air is fresh and cool, and we've got a uh, interesting topic to talk about today. In the last session, Jack, you remember we talked about uh, communication, the importance of communication, the, the way that we see communication functioning like oil in an engine. Yep. Without it, things get pretty ugly pretty quick. Right. Right. So we're constantly watching communication here at SeaTech. Um, we're going to tell a story about a, uh, an event or a, a project that came out of nowhere for us uh, a few years ago. It was a firm that we had done some work with before. They were uh, based in California, offices all over the country, and, and some internationally. Mm-hmm. They had a large trial here in Minneapolis, and they needed support. The reason it became such an urgent situation is that the lawyers really thought the case was going to settle, and it didn't. It did not. So in early January of some year, I forget exactly which year, we got a phone call, had to meet with these folks over in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is the capital of our state. The case was being tried in federal court. Uh, It was one of those uh, failed uh, mortgage cases, res cap cases, uh, and it was the first one to get tried uh, of, of all of them. Uh, and it was a monster of a case. Lots and lots of documents. I think the staff size from our client was in the range of 35 to 40 people. Right. So they had a large office, temporary office over in St. Paul. They basically ran Mm 24-7. I mean, a few breaks here and there. I remember making deliveries at 5 o'clock in the morning and maybe seeing a couple of people in the office at that time, but most of the desks empty. Yeah. So, Steve, why don't you tell us what happened? What are some of the earliest events that happened that really make this this uh, project stand out? Well, one thing in particular is that we got called, uh, like I said, to meet with a client. In the early stages, they discovered that we were not – a mammoth e-discovery shop. Right. I thought we were well-sized, but to them, it was small compared to what they were used to. So they were expecting a group that had multiple facilities all over the country, dozens and dozens of resources that would be running around the clock. Mm -hmm. So they took a look at our size and thought that we were too small for the project. So their first question was, can we get another vendor to help you out? Right. You know, I remember bits and pieces of, of that story. How, how did that work out? How, how did we, you know, secure the project on that? Well, we had the project secured. The real question was, were we going to have to share it 
And it wasn't yeah. so much a my concern wasn't so much a matter of sharing it. It was a matter of things getting complicated and more difficult um, if we did share it. It would be a question of who's going to do what, and you know potentially another vendor may just get in the way of trying to manage and really push things through. Sure. Uh, so I looked at it as a as a possible impediment. So here's what I did to convince them. So really the main thrust of my argument was simply give us two to three weeks to prove that we can handle this. And I felt that one of the key things that we really needed to do in that time frame was to communicate very, very well with them. Mm. So we activated the CTEC way of commu- of communication with the client. It's, you know, Delta Airlines, United Airlines, you know, here's here's the pattern, here's how we go. Uh, let them gain confidence in what we're doing through the strong and confident communication that we would be presenting. Mm-hmm. So they agreed to go with that plan to avoid uh, injecting another vendor into the process. And what came next was a little bit surprising to me. We got hammered by requests like we had never been hammered before. And, you know, being from Minnesota, we do work on a slightly different pace than the West Coast and East Coast. So all of you might be thinking, well, that's like taking a uh, a horse and buggy to a a Daytona 500 race and trying to compete with uh, fast-moving race cars. Well... I don't think the disparity was quite that dramatic because we were we were hammered with uh, with requests. We were getting seven to eight to nine, maybe ten requests a day, and fast turnarounds. So Minneapolis is ten miles from St. Paul. We had to dispatch somebody to uh, deliver the products to the client three, four, five times a day. We finally figured out some efficiencies with that and got the client to agree Mm. to that. But we put into place a a pretty good action plan. We actually dubbed this uh, plan Hammer Time. That's right. That's I remember seeing the presentation on that. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll we'll go into that at some point in a little more detail. But but Hammer Time is kind of all hands on deck. Everybody uh, is in action. Everybody's playing a role. It's a little bit what you described before, Jack, in a recent project, but this is like an emergency situation right? where we really have to move quickly. We've got to be efficient in our movements, efficient in our communication. We treat this like an emergency, and nobody sits down, eats a sandwich, takes a breath, nothing until the emergency is under control. Right. Now, we didn't go days and weeks or even hours without giving people a lunch break, but you get the idea. There was a a spirit of urgency, a a flavor of, you know, there's there's no option but to get this done. Yeah. So we really tightened our belts and and, uh, buckled up and got ready for a pretty hardcore run at doing some really – hard work in a very short amount of time. 
So I have a question taking a step back to kind of, you know, that that tipping point where it was like, okay, let's see what they're going to send us. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is this isn't a monster. This is a Leviathan, you know, behemoth of a of a project here. And as as CEO and as someone who's really holding the reins on all these different things, at what point did you really have that realization and recognize, okay, something has to change in what we're doing? And how did you go about, you know, because there really wasn't a whole lot of time to sit down, everyone plan it out, everyone let's schedule in things. Like, how did you do that on the fly? Well, it was all on the fly, but it was constant communication hmm. within within CTEC. And then we maintained that pulse of a very good, very predictable, rhythmic communication with the client. So we, we went through those five steps on every single uh, assignment that was given to us. And if I remember right, we were pretty close. By the end of the trial, we were pretty close to 300 individual assignments oh my for gosh. that case. So there were a lot of things to, to handle, and this was happening seven days a week. A little, a little slower most weekends, but there was work every single weekend. And usually we'd get a break uh, between 1 o'clock and 5 in the morning. Right. So we had a, a little bit of a chance to take a breath. But I think, uh, you know, a turning point was really with the CTEC staff, where I was recognizing they were getting weary. Mm. They, were, they were really running out of gas. Um, they were... You could see it in their faces. You could hear it in their voices. There was a little bit of tension, but not too much. And so I pulled everybody aside, and I gave them a challenge. And the challenge was this. Guys, we're about halfway through, and I don't think we're going to get to the end of this and survive. Some marriages may go by the wayside. Some of you may just fall on the floor and collapse out of pure exhaustion. So here's what I'm going to challenge you with. I want you to find a way to improve the overall process so that we can speed up what we're doing, we can optimize our throughput, we can turn our 18-hour days into maybe 14, maybe less. You guys can have a little better quality of life and we'll get through this. And I was really so impressed because it took less than two days, somewhere between 36 hours and 48 hours, and our overall operational system was revamped. Mm -hmm. Can't go into the details of how we did that because it's just too boring, and some of it is a little bit proprietary. But these guys were able to to work out things, cut things out of the process that were wasting time. Mm -hmm. They were able to speed up certain scripts and um, routines that were they were running on the software end to really optimize machine time. And, uh, you know, every component was really looked at from a, the standpoint of how can this piece move faster? Where's the waste? What can I cut out, and how can I make everything run more quickly? Right. 
So, Jack, the short story there is we we went from an average of 18-hour days down to 12 that then got cut down to 10. And suddenly we're, you know, at about the midway point of the project. Uh, we've got, rather than having staff that were dragging their feet and feet and grumbling at each other and uh, getting a little short-tempered and uh, rough around the edges, they were relaxed. Mm. They were getting home and having dinner with their families. They were getting a good night's rest. And life was almost back to normal. They were still longer than average days, but, you know, it's pretty hard to uh, compare to 18-hour days. Right on yeah. a on a long term, you can do twenty four hours or you can do thirty six forty eight, but that's kind of a one shot deal. Yeah, to yeah. pull that off for six weeks straight, no way. Somebody's somebody's really going to get crushed. Right, right. That's a really great accomplishment, and I think that that was a huge moment for us as as a as a company and as a culture here, and that's that really has has spurred. And, and catalyzed our, our drive for continuous improvement and growth. So I'm just going to touch back on the, uh, on the communication piece right, because I yeah. think that was really key in terms of engendering confidence in the client. They, um, they never had to ask, uh, what's the status? We were never late on any of the 300 assignments. In fact, when we did this, uh, system of process improvement, we started on average arriving way early with every every request. Uh, we kept the the five points of communication going throughout that whole time, and we reached a cycle where I think it was almost seemed like in, it was in fast motion. Mm. It was. Okay, now we're getting ready to take off. Okay, we are on our way. We're about halfway to Phoenix right now. Okay, close up your tray tables, bring your seat backs forward. We're about ready to land, etc. I mean, that was just happening in such a quick cycle because all of our activity was was sped up. Mm -hmm. uh, we would show up in St. Paul, and I think the client almost was in disbelief as we were reporting to them that we were actually doing what we were doing. Uh, we would show up in St. Paul well before what they expected, mm -hmm. not because we didn't communicate when we'd be there. They just were not believing that we were going to be there that quickly. Right, They're like, no way. <laughs> and they would ask, why are you here? <laughs> well, we're done. Th that's just not possible. How can you be done so quickly? So kind of like you described earlier, this became, rather than a panic-stricken, exhaustive exercise, we reached a point where we kind of, we were almost able to put our feet up on the desk and relax. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember in the, in the light of working, you know, smarter and not harder, as a result of everything that happened and all the hard work that everyone put in, I remember the conversation where you brought ev everyone, no one was left out of this. And you said, everyone, I want you to, you know, we're, we're on the light at the end of the, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. I want you to all look at the weeks ahead of when this project's done. I want you all to take some time off for yourselves and 
recoup and take the time that you need and know that, you know, you just well done. And yeah, it was good, just, good job. And everybody did that. And that was a, that was a great thing. That was, that was such a great moment too. Cause I think everyone was just, you know, happy to, happy to see that light at the end of the tunnel, but also happy to feel recognized and right. You know, just appreciated for everything. Yep. So big, big success could have been a, uh, could have been a disaster. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but the communication definitely helped us get on top of things and maintain control and keep the client happy and confident that we were we were doing the job. And, you know, the question about bringing in a second vendor actually never came up again, once again. It, it just became very quickly a moot point. Wow. So I didn't know that piece. That's awesome. We didn't. We did not have to have a second conversation about that. <laughs> well, that's that's a win in Total, itself. Totally off the table. So, well, that is going to do it for part one of this story. We're breaking this segment into two parts. Uh, part one is just to give you the lay of the land, kind of the circumstances that we were working with, and part two is going to focus a lot on the takeaways from the situation and the kind of the lessons learned. We we touched on a few of those throughout um, this first part, but we're going to talk a little bit more high level and, and how that has had a lasting effect on our group and how we continue to push towards those values and skills that we learned in this past process. Yeah, the the lessons were deep and wide in that, and you're right, Jack, they had a lasting effect. Uh, it, was, it was a, you know, for a period of time, a very challenging, difficult uh circumstance um it it actually that difficulty lasted just for a short time because Mm -hmm. we decided we didn't want to remain in that space we got on top of it and um came up with some things uh that that really made a difference and Mm -hmm. and those turned out to be uh some of the key lessons so we'll be talking about those in the next session and we're grateful that you took the time today to listen to us uh, so that's it for Jack and Steve at eDiscovery Base Camp. We're going to uh, put the fire out, close up the tent, and uh, call it a day. Hoist the food above the tree so the bears don't get it. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> so all of you out there on the outside, have a, have a great day, a great week, and uh, please remember to let the people around you know that they matter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the eDiscovery Basecamp. If you have any questions, comments, or want us to cover a certain topic, email us at info at We'll see you next week.